Hi, this is Riggs Eckleberry, CEO of Origin Clear. Welcome to the podcast, Water is the New Goal. Now in this podcast, I explore every week the trends in water, the big disruption that's happening, what we're doing about it, and where the future lies. It's quite interesting. Enjoy and stay subscribed. Happy Halloween, everyone. Rick Zackleberry here on the 31st of October. Last briefing of October and one month into the fourth quarter of 2019. And as I've been reporting on Money TV and elsewhere, we're happy with the performance of the company in Q3. That report will come out on November 15th. I'm trying to get some early guidance numbers, and I we may be able to get you some numbers before then publicly, but we are operating with an expectation, which is great news. Before I get to the topic of this call, I wanted to quickly discuss the recent events. Uh, on Friday, we performed a reverse split of the stock, 2001, and that was really done to start to clean up our equity table, our cap table, in order to uh, promote better growth. And ultimately, and again, this is not something that I'm predicting is going to happen, but it is certainly my goal, and that is to get on the NASDAQ. And here's why. We, all of us, every single person in the company has a grant of restricted shares. And for them to be released in bulk, the company needs to achieve a large revenue number. I believe it's $15 million trailing 12 months and a, oh, I think, $1.5 million net profit trailing 12 months and be listed on a national exchange. Those are the three requirements. So you best believe we are motivated to get to those numbers because it's the only way we'll get anywhere for our own families, shall we say. Anyway, so that's going well. We're very pleased with the progress and there's some good things coming in terms of company initiatives, but can't really talk about it just yet. I'm able to say I'm pleased with how we're doing. So the project today is to discuss what I got into in the CEO update that came out on Monday and again this morning uh, with a reminder. What we ran across was the fact that roughly 86 portfolios in the world, that's the world of what's called ESG, Environmental Social Governance Funds. And these are funds that are basically following up on what used to be known as impact investing, sustainable investing, green investing, blue investing, you name it, investing, virtuous investing, and now it's called ESG. And ESG is important because a quarter of all assets under management in the world today, which is $22 trillion worth of assets, are ESG assets. Now, when you look at what is required for an ESG company, for a company to have an ESG, to be investable as an ESG portfolio company, a big piece of it is water management. And so public companies, that, you know, because they have to be investable, so they're public companies, that also are in the water business are hard to find. And those companies have seen huge increases in their stock prices because they're part of a scarcity. The, the chart that I, that I sent around shows that 80% of those 86 funds are invested in these four or six water stocks. It's ridiculous. So we need the two things that Seth tells us. Number one is ESG is is an important thing and and very important when you want to gauge whether or not a stock is is going to get that extra bump. Uh, so companies are motivated to do to get the ESG green light, be ESG compliant. And let me tell you, there are thousands of people in the world who are ESG analysts. I love that job. 
go around, go look around, looking for good companies. Have that as a day job. These people on the lookout, and if a company that's public can now become ESG compliant, be eligible for ESG investment, there's going to be a big rush of these of this, these huge funds into that company's stock. So it means a lot for a company. Aside from that, when they invest in water systems, they get an appreciation of their asset, but that's really a topic for another week. Uh, just to back up a second, the old model was all the water treatments being done centrally, and don't you worry, we'll be happy to take care of it for you. That was the old 1950s way of thinking. And unfortunately, that model's broken because whenever there's growth of a business or a community, the local municipality can't keep, keep up with it, and we're not allocating enough infrastructure money. Nobody is. Uh, and so they are requiring businesses to do their own treatment. So that's a huge trend. And we call that decentralized water treatment, uh, movement to the edge, self-reliant water, et cetera, all that good stuff. What it really is, is, as I called it the week before, privatization of big water. The big water is being broken up into a lot of small water being done by businesses that are using the water. Poultry farms, pig farms, oil and gas operations, you name it. These are now water managers. They're not being allowed to send their dirty water to the municipality. And so we're creating, it's happening. We're not doing it, but it's already happening. It's a huge mega trend of thousands of businesses going into the water treatment business. Last week, we told you about this automotive dealership that in order to expand, they bought some cheap farmland and they built a closed loop reflush system. In other words, all the poop came around, got treated, and got put back in the toilet so that they didn't have to connect to the sewage. Maybe they, maybe they paid $1,000 an acre for that rural land and it's probably worth you know 50,000 acres now because of the improvement. And they only paid $130,000 for the water treatment system. So you can see how the math is great. They have a dramatically increased asset value at relatively low cost. And they are now in the water business. That automotive dealership is not public, so they don't care about being investable for ESG. But if they were, boom, all of a sudden, they would be in the ESG portfolio company. So with that, I would like to bring in the man who was the inspiration for all this. And he's a financial tech wizard, fintech as we call it. And he's got all kinds of badges. For one thing, he, gosh, back in 2014, he was helping the Chicago Mercantile Exchange get ready for Bitcoin. So he's been in a lot of interesting spaces and he was the first one to bring the ESG factor into play here at Origin Clear. He's our chief operating officer, Tom Marchesello. Tom, are you with us? Hey, thanks everybody. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks Rick for the thoughtful introduction as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited actually about the ESG conversation. And I'm really glad that you know we're having it with everybody because it's such a cool topic. It's a new trend that's an old trend, but it's actually on trend right now. That's the way I think about it. What we've got is a whole area of environmental, social, and governance, which is what the ESG stands for. And it's really picked up where the old sustainable development and impact investing topics really had come into play some years ago and kind of now matured. For folks that have been following it, there's always been about, I would say, almost like two decades of conversation about these topics on sustainable investing and green investing and blue investing. But then about 10 years ago, everybody kind of got a lot more serious about it on the corporate side. They're trying to get their head around it. And I think in, what happened is you have corporations who wanted to address it. They're trying to figure out the proper way to address it. But what was really driving was investors. Investors are saying, I want this. And what you can see in like even some of the statistics, if you look at 2010 to, to today, just in, in a less than 10 year period, you went from 
$2 trillion invested 10 years ago in these ESG-related environments to $12 trillion invested in this. I mean, that's a massive jump. You know, it's basically the, the hockey stick of investing. You know, when you look at the graph and it's kind of plodding along for a while and it just goes, poof, hey, here's your poof. You know, it really took place like in 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 till today. And it just kept accelerating. And it's really been driving even harder in just the last two, three years. You know, I was looking at some stats on like the millennials. You know, millennials are like the next generation beyond the baby boomers. And they're pretty socially conscious. You know, they chat a lot and they are on social media and they seem to really be tuned in all this cool stuff. And, you know, when they did their review, you know, using like Charles Schwab and Fidelity and everybody, and they said, hey, you know, what do you want to invest your money in? Years ago, they were like picking the hot stocks, like the Facebooks and Twitters and so forth. You know, probably about two, three years ago, they started saying, but I also have this real huge desire to put some money in something that's that's got some sustainability to it. Between 2017 to 19, their numbers went from like 38% of those investors who said, I'm interested in this thing, to 89% of those millennial investors who said, I got to have an ESG investment and a sustainability strategy as part of my investment portfolio. Because not only do I want to make money, but I need to feel good about making money. And I want those companies to do good while they're doing making their money. You know, so you see this big push and pull taking place between the corporate side and the investor side, where people are really putting the charge out there and saying, hey, I really want to do this. And, you know, I think that's a, a super cool change in behaviors and sentiment to where the investing trend went. So then Wall Street reacts to it and says, all right, well, let's put these funds together. Let's put ETFs together. Let's put instruments together that allow us to understand what is an ESG compliant opportunity? What does it look like? How does that still let us make good financial returns, yet also do something good? That's kind of where the story got super slick as far as like people wanting to support this type of thing. Now, where does the rubber meet the road? And that's kind of where we come into it. The rubber meets the road where for a while, there's all this money, tons of it actually, and kind of not a lot of companies to invest in the way you know Wall Street kind of thinks about it because they're trying to figure out, well, is that a farm? Is that... A windmill is a solar panels. You know, obviously Tesla pops up. Oh, well, Tesla, that's that's a a green deal because, you know, we got electric cars. So, you know, tons of money goes to Tesla. But how many people can all pour their money into the same one company? You get kind of stuck between, you know, not being able to do that one investment. And they're like, well, we need to expand it. And now we get into really traditional environmental topics of which water is clearly one of the most significant, obvious, most important things to all people on the planet and clean water and water security and, and water quality is one of the most important things that people care about. And there's actually not a lot of companies that actually do it, not publicly, but here we are, Origin Clear. We publicly are investable. We are actually in the water space. We enable Lots of people who are working in the water industries from our engineering partners to the people who actually implemented on their facility sites, our industrial and commercial clients. And we help enable all these people to be ESG participants. So all of a sudden we go from being one company who's in the space to hundreds and thousands of clients with our products and services also participating in the ESG trend, not just from a, an eyeglass, you know, whitewash kind of standpoint, but also because they're actually legitimately participating in doing something good. They're actually making an impact. And so like, that's really where this comes to play. 
That is fantastic. And as you say, there is a double-barreled benefit. First of all, we are a prospective ESG portfolio company, although granted, we're going to have to probably get on a national exchange to get qualified. Most of these funds have stock price requirements and so forth. But nonetheless, we're being virtuous and we're a player in an eventual ESG investable company. But more important and even than that, and perhaps the most important part is we are literally making these ESG players. Perhaps you could give me a couple of examples, you know, without naming names of some recent deals that you and your team have been working on where it's an ordinary business that's all of a sudden a water management business. In the real operational world of doing water treatment, you know, you've got your water treatment, water conveyance. So in water treatment, let's just take potable drinkable water. You know, it's it's the most simplistic thing we can do. You take some form of water that's, you know, not so perfectly drinkable. We clean it up using our equipment and turn it into pristine, wonderfully clear, pure, drinkable water that everybody can enjoy and be confident in. So during the course of doing something like that, take a commercial client, say a hotel or an office building where there are literally hundreds of people on site in this facility drinking the water. Now, by putting our water treatment system on site, you're now basically allowing hundreds of people to walk straight up to a tap, pour a crystal clear, perfect bottle of water into a glass bottle, and basically drink that bottle. Now, what did you just do? You basically just have perfectly pure water. You did not use bottled water. You didn't have to go waste a bunch of plastic that basically contaminates our landfills. You didn't have to waste a bunch of material that burns up a bunch of carbon. You didn't have a waste stream that basically has to go into the garbage dumps that basically emit carbon you know, into the atmosphere. So basically your footprint has now been reduced on your waste. Your footprint's reduced on the poisons that you're putting into the system, into the ground, into the water, into your body. And all because you just simply put in a more simplistic piece of equipment. That was a, that's a great, easy way of doing something. More recently, you know, we've had a, a nice success with a commercial business who wanted to do treatment for actually wastewater. Now, wastewater obviously being tricky uh, because it's got a lot of contaminants in it. In this case, you know, this effluent is, you know, a combination of toilet water and grease and oils and all the stuff that comes off a commercial property. And eventually, normally that would just dump straight into the city sewer system. But Nowadays, you know, there's a lot of environmental rules on well, you just get restricted on how much you can dump back into the city. And you should be because, you know, who the city is? Me, the public. My tax dollars are going to pay for a bunch of other people to dump their waste into my city's sewer system and I got to pay for it. That sucks. So I don't like that. So instead, now businesses have to treat some of that waste at their site since they created it and actually clean up that water and either reuse it on their property before they dump it, like maybe for irrigating their lawn, or they have to clean up the water and then dump a cleaner stream into the city sewer system so that the city doesn't have to work so hard to clean up that waste, which again, doesn't waste so much of my dollars or yours. So those are kinds of areas where that's just a waste. But where you're dealing with the ESG side of it, because the E was environmental, the waste itself, the S is a social, which is all of us, the we, the people, and the governance is the city, and your government didn't have to be burdened with the runoff from a commercial industrial property. So you're actually hitting all three of the ESG things when you put in a waste treatment system at a commercial property. In this particular scenario, we actually put a really elegant system in there that took that waste stream, first treated the water to turn it into water that can be reused, which is typically called purple pipe, for example. Now you take that water and you can then easily use it to irrigate your lawn 
right? Rather than using water for my toilets and my showers and washing, you know, things down on the property, and then also paying for new water, which is wasting environmental water to just irrigate my lawn. Instead, I basically use, buy the water one time and then I use it twice, which is really good. So I've used half the water. So that's cool. So that commercial property basically has really reduced its footprint as to how much water fundamentally it's using just on the intake. Then basically that water can then be reused for other things. It can actually be processed again and pushed into using for the toilets. So you could actually use toilet water twice technically and basically have flushable toilets with perfectly usable water that's clean. And then basically you get the double flush effect because we all know lots of gallons just get flushed away there. So in this case, again, you're really reducing your footprint of the water being used on site. And then, of course, when you're finally dumping it back to the city, you know, you have a less impactful contaminated stream of water that's coming back to the city. So they don't have to treat it so diligently, meaning that they're not going to have to pay even more money to do something, which means you're not going to have to pay your tax money to your city to treat somebody else's waste. It's kind of an interesting way of thinking about it. Does that kind of make sense, Riggs? Absolutely, yeah. And you know, there was that case of the the brewery that wanted to double its its capacity, but literally the municipality said, "Nope, can't do it." And they had to oh my go God, yeah. in house, right? They had to do it themselves. And so I personally um, and I'm also went to think- that brewery because it was very important that I drink their beer to make sure it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, your you know your work on behalf of humanity is well noted. <laughs> I had to do my part. <laughs> exactly. And and repeat business, of course. But um, you look at the players in the poultry foods industry, 60% of all poultry is grown by Tyson Foods, Pilgrim's Pride, Sanderson, Purdue, and Koch Foods, right? Five companies. And I would venture to say that their PR is not great. They're not considered ESG investments, even though they're very large companies. Now, just think about it. If all of a sudden Tyson started being water responsible and had implemented zero waste policy so that all the water got cleaned and reused and then the manure got turned into useful fertilizer. And by the way, I hear that chicken manure makes exceptional fertilizer for reasons that only a gardener can tell me, but it happens to be true. And so that is a huge strategic card, both for PR and investability for a Tyson Foods, right? Oh God, yeah. Well, think about it. Like, you know, take take a food processor as a good example, or any, any almost an, an industrial food manufacturer, industrial chemical, even for that matter. You know, traditionally, if you want to, you know, think about all the protesting you've seen about big corporations. You know, you, you've seen this. Oh, you're contaminating, you know, or whatever is happening out there. There's some truth to some some of it, and then other times there's there's a lot of hyperbole. But take a real issue, which is a large farm or a large corporate industrial food manufacturer is massive. And they do use a lot of different things from pesticides to nitrates to chemicals to hormones to whatever you want to call it in their processes. And then they also have the obviously part of the waste that comes from all the animals and all the processing that goes into it. And the real question is, how do you get rid of all that waste? I mean, it's a real topic. And the bigger you are, the more waste you got. So it's almost like these these businesses had to run their own waste management environment because you're now outside the boundary of what a city's going to do. A city's not going to go walk into that industrial location and, and deal with its waste. They're going to say, industrial guy, go clean that stuff up. But now the industrial guy's got a big problem because for a long, long time, the management of that waste is pretty expensive. It was hard to do. 
it gets more complicated the more sites you have as you acquire other locations. You know, I might have had a really good processing system in location number one, but I've just acquired location number two and three, or I built another barn. And so now as they grow their operations, which typically grow fast, their infrastructure typically doesn't grow as fast. So now they're just stuck with this problem of I've outgrown my infrastructure. So maybe they were on track for a little while keeping up with their waste management and then they're not. So guess who steps in now? This is where Origin Clear comes in with instant infrastructure. And we can like walk in the door and go, you know what? You want to grow your industrial business? That's great, but do it in a smart way. Be sustainable, be polite, don't impact the environment, be ESG. Here's a nice piece of equipment, instant infrastructure, boom, modular water treatment for the stuff you need to do. Keep growing, but be a good steward. And I like that that's what we're able to do for people. I don't want people being all upset and doing bad things, but we do have to come to the table with solutions to allow people to have a choice. And now they do have a choice. And when you came on board, you were amazed to see that there were there was literally organic lead flow of people emailing us, put, you know, filling out forms saying, I want that thing. Yeah. Amazing lead flow. Even like last night, I'm like, honestly, I was just trying to get some dinner and like a yeah, phone's still ringing. I had some of it forwarded to me at home and I'm like, I'm just picking up and I'm thinking, I don't know what this is. And it's like this major order of like, we're really looking for this. And I'm like, you are great. I do that. <laughs> you know, It's an infrastructure. I'm all about it. Let's talk. And not only that, that email off this is, this was a, uh, if I'm thinking of the same one, this is a, a deal that a major company screwed up and now we're getting to step in. Yeah, that's really interesting too. I think, you know, there's there's other companies obviously in the space, you know, for water treatment, but, you know, guys really in the old business model of doing custom integration and custom development and custom everything for water treatment, that means you got to go really long lead cycle, long engineering, you know, months, sometimes years of putting stuff in place and then still got to deliver the darn thing and, and get it to work. But if you got to go dig holes and pour concrete and wait for the concrete to set and then put your equipment in and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's some serious building. That takes a while, you know, and, and the truth is that company just could not meet the timeline with that style of business model and they can't perform on that contract. However, with our modular systems, which are drop and go, they're manufactured at our factory, they're quicker to assemble quicker to deliver, quicker to plug and play, a lot less training. You know, it's it's a much more feasible way of getting a piece of equipment for that instant infrastructure to get it on site faster. Yes. This is, uh, of course, why, you know, you and I have been putting so much heart and soul into developing the, the Dan Early-led modular water product line. It is why we can say we're helping create the, this instant infrastructure because we're more than just talking about it. That's that's amazing. So, yeah. Yep, um, yep. Yeah. If we could clone so, Dan a few times, that'd be great. But uh, you know, well, I mean, the only one of him. <laughs> well, and what I like is what you're doing, which is standardizing, right? Like our pump stations are now fully standardized, and they're being popped out. So, you know, Dan becomes more of a a wave topper, as I call him, and less of a you know grunt, because at least standardization is moving in. So I think that's going to be Absolutely. how we scale the business. But everybody loves to talk to the man. 
So, you know, uh-huh. it does it does come up sometimes, which is great. So that's why, you know, I, I really like that you had Dan on your call the other week because he was just wonderful and, and detailed explaining what he does. And that always helps people, too, because, they, you know, they, they do like to know that there's real people, you know, behind the scenes in our team and they're smart and they've been doing a long time, just like our guys in Texas have been out there a real long time. And it's just it's nice that we have so much experience of guys who are capable because, no matter what it is, it's a phone call or an email and I've got an answer and somebody's like, I've done that before. I totally know what you're talking about. And I'm like, great, let's get on it. Well, and I really appreciate the fact that you were riding herd on these guys. In fact, there's this other great reality or fact that you came up with, which is the fact that we are increasing the asset value of these businesses. I don't think we want to jump into it in this call, but I'd like to get you back in a week or two to cover that in greater detail, how businesses become more valuable, both in terms of real estate, but also in terms of the enterprise value through implementing a beneficial water treatment system. Absolutely. Well, I don't know how much time we have on this call, but there is a dovetail there that caps our ESG talk there. It's just when you're doing ESG related business, so when a corporation or industrial or commercial site you know, puts one of our pieces of equipment in place, they reduce their liability because they become a good steward of the environment, but they also become a good business who basically reduces their chances of liabilities from contaminating the environment or getting fines or having problems, which is one of the other reasons why ESG is an important topic for people, not just a trendy thing. It's good business. Well, I love that. And, you know, I often talk about the fact that the water service industry worldwide is a trillion dollar industry but yet only two thirds of the water is, is treated, the industrial water. And so it really tells us that we could, it's, it's really a $3 trillion industry. It's not gonna be done centrally anymore. It's gonna be done on a distributed basis by these businesses. And I think we got a tiger by the tail. <laughs> Hold, on. Uh, Hold on. So, and, and, <laughs> yeah, right, right. So we, we will definitely get into that. As Ken Berenger just piped up and said, improving real estate values could accelerate the shift it's already happening. So as people see better real estate values, then uh, the CFOs get very, very interested. I would like to make that a whole other session with you and get into it in great detail. What I'm going to do is wrap it up. I wanted to let everyone know that you should feel free to call 323-939-6645. And Devin, my assistant is at extension 116. Any questions, concerns, comments, you go to him. If you're interested in our private placement, which is going to be changing soon, just a word to the wise, Ken Berenger is the man at extension 201. So 323-939-6645, extension 201. We're doing wonderfully. Very happy with how it's going in 2019. Tom, thank you for being on board and for doing a great job. And we'll be seeing you again on this briefing soon. Cool. Thanks a bunch. Have a great night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Well, that's it for the podcast. Thank you for joining. I do hope you stay subscribed. If you'd like to interact with me live, then join me each week at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, or the Zoom webinar. Simply sign up at originclear.com slash CEO. And thank you.